Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Welcome to Passion Church. Um, It's an odd season, and I get that. In fact, uh, for those of you that have been with us long, you also recognize that typically in June, I don't preach. Uh, For the last 12 years, we have done a series that started off being called The Generals, and then we switched it to Voices, and for 12 years straight in the month of June, I invite special guests in to take this pulpit and bring the Word of God. Um, I think it's interesting how God works things out. I actually had somebody scheduled this morning, and they bailed on me. Not like yesterday. They bailed on me last week, all right? So, but interestingly enough, the Lord had been dealing with me about a series that I wanted to do, and I just wasn't sure where we were going to plug it and how we were going to make this work. And we were on a trip uh, to the beach, a planning trip. We never even actually went on the beach. How messed up are we? We, we were right on the beach and never even went on the beach. Um, and so uh, that's a whole different, yeah, if you saw how white I am under this, you would understand why I don't go to the beach, but that's a whole different issue. Um, but anyway, uh, as I discovered that this was going to happen, we actually left early to get back to be with you. Um, I wouldn't just do that for anybody, but I did it for you. Because I really do believe that the Lord has given me not just one word, but a series of words. We're actually going to do something really odd. We're going to go out of one series right into the next. They tie together. And I just want to encourage you. I know life, I know it's summer, although it's not like you haven't had any time off already. But I know, but uh, I just want to challenge you. If you can't be here, log in and, and be a part of this. And I'm going to do something I don't also normally do. I'm going to pray before we start this morning because... I told Pastor Andrew that I feel it this morning. This is a heavy word, but we need a heavy word right now. We need a word that will change us. So let's pray. Father, I pray that you would do uh, what you evidently wanted to do because you've been pulling strings behind the scenes. And so I pray that you would allow me to faithfully communicate your word. And I pray that, that you would do justice by your word, that whether I communicate effectively or not, I pray that the message would get through and that you would, you would penetrate the hardness of our hearts and that we would become soft and pliable again in the potter's hands and that that word would be massaged into our lives and it would make a difference. I pray you would do this in Jesus' name. Amen. The load has become too heavy. When a world is siloed by sickness, then the the load has become too heavy. When a nation whose pledge boldly states that we believe in liberty and justice for all, instead sees vigilantes, some wearing uniforms and some wearing stolen clothes, killing and maiming and destroying all because of a deep-seated and rooted hatred that has yet to be healed, then the load has become too heavy. When a booming economy has been brought to its knees and doors are closed and dreams are broken and it seems that all hope is gone, then hope, then, then the load is way too heavy. When the unborn or those born long ago are left unprotected or left to suffer alone, then the load is too heavy. I stand here today with my shoulders hunched and my back aches and my heart is burdened and my brow is furrowed because the load has become way too heavy. In moments like this, there's a word that surfaces in my mind. Every time we go through seasons like this, there's a word that begins to bubble up in my spirit. And that word is deliverance. We need to be delivered. 
we need someone who can make a stand and declare with authority and power, let my people go. Where are those who won't settle or won't play it safe or won't settle down into slavery? Where are the men and women who won't take short excursions into freedom but then spend long seasons bound by the chains of hate and anger and bondage? Where are those that have tasted freedom but now also have the ability to help others who have yet to taste the sweet flavor of freedom to come behind or alongside of them and bring them into freedom. Where are those folks? We need to be delivered. I, uh, I submit to you that bondage is common. In fact, I would say to you that most of us are bound in some areas of our lives all the time. We just don't talk about it. We don't post that on Facebook we present our best life on Facebook. But most of us are dealing with some area of bondage in our lives. We spend a good time, a deal of our time focusing on and seeking deliverance from habits, from sickness, from broken relationships. You name it, we're there. And, and, and so because bondage is common, the cry and the plea for deliverance is not uncommon. But I believe the issue we face is this, is that although the cry and the plea for deliverance is common, the lack of cooperation with deliverance is equally as common. You missed it. I'm going to say that one more time. Even though there is a common plea and cry for deliverance, equal to that is our lack of cooperation with deliverance. So we cry for deliverance, but this is what I've learned. Deliverance is often messy. Deliverance is often accompanied, almost always accompanied by dilemmas that we must deal with. And in order to experience the true freedom and deliverance that Christ has for us, we must learn to navigate and embrace those dilemmas and deal with them. So my, my, my concern this morning, my challenge this morning is this. I want us to be free, but first we've got to understand what it takes to be free. See, it isn't that deep into the narrative that the heavy weight of bondage is discovered. The load has become too heavy. 430 years of slavery. The load has become too heavy. Harsh slave masters have become harsher. The load has become too heavy. Long days in the hot sun, no breaks, no rest, no mercy. The account demonstrates another moment in our history where the burden has become so difficult to carry that once again strong shoulders are now almost stooped to the breaking point. I want you to meet me in Exodus. In Exodus chapter 1 is where we pick it up, the story of this previous account of the heavy load that we are now facing again. It's in Exodus chapter 1. It begins in the second part of verse 12 and goes down through verse 14. It says this, So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. And all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. Repeats it twice, it must have been pretty bad. They worked them ruthlessly. Exodus chapter 2, beginning of verse 23. says, during those many days, the king of Egypt died. And listen what happens. This is what's got to happen. And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery. And they cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God saw the people of Israel and God knew. Another version says it like this. And they cried out to be rescued from their oppression. And their cry for help ascended to God. And he was moved to take action. Now... You got to know the backstory just briefly. You do understand that God sent the children of Israel to Egypt to provide for them. Remember the story of Joseph? There's a famine on the land. The brothers trade Joseph into slavery. They think it's to destroy him, but instead, God positions him next to Pharaoh so that the children of Israel can come to Egypt to, for provision so they won't starve to death, right? 
But now, according to Exodus chapter 2, the Pharaoh that was in charge dies, and now they don't remember. I'm saying it twice. (laughs) They don't remember the children of Israel. And there's a lesson here. I don't even have time to mess with this. I'm just going to throw this one in for free, and then we're going to move into the dilemmas. But I want you to understand something, that the place that God uses to rescue you can turn into a trap if you stay too long. The people that he brings into your life for a season, if you try to turn them into lifers when they were only supposed to be seasonal folks, they can, become, they can seduce you into destruction. Okay, I don't even have time to mess with that. We'll come back to that some other day. All right, but let me talk to you about the dilemmas for deliverance. Are you ready? We've got to, we've got to get this this morning. There's a, there's a couple things we've got to learn. If we're going to be free, we've got to learn this. The first one is this. Deliverance requires desperation. The cry for rescue from slavery came up to God And God heard their groanings. 430 years of slavery and bondage led to their desperate cry for help. Deliverance requires of us that we come to this place of desperation. David walks out onto the the, the hillside and he sees a giant that is defiling the God of Israel and something stirs up inside of him, a spirit of desperation, and he cries out from deep within him, is there not a cause? Elijah stands on Mount Carmel and he throws down the gauntlet to a a hard-hearted, a lukewarm, an apathetic group of people and he declares to them, he challenges them, he says, how long will you halt between two opinions? Desperation has set in. People who see the condition and the situation and they're moved by desperate desire for change. People who refuse to back down and accept that it has, has to be like it's always been. So my question to you this morning is this, is where is our desperation? Have we become too comfortable with status quo? Have we become too comfortable with just good enough? Have we become comfortable with survival? Have we become comfortable with less than, almost whole, almost free, almost well, almost revived, almost on fire? Where are those people that will stand up out of a spirit of desperation and cry out to God and say, we're desperate to be delivered again? Where, where are those who will say, if we go, we may die, but if we stay right here, we will surely die? Where are those that will press through the crowd just to get a hold of the edge of his garment when everybody else is trying to keep us away? Where are those that will sit on the side of the road and refuse to be quiet even when everybody else is saying, God can't help you, God's not for you, God's not with you, but we are so desperate, we continue to cry out and say, God, help us, deliver us, set us free. We're not satisfied with where we are right now. Where are those who are going down for the last time swallowed up by the waters of fear and the waters of brokenness who will cry out for the hand of the deliverer one last time and say save me I need you to save me I need you to rescue me I need you to step in I need you to break in I need you to break on this situation I need you to break through where are the desperate folks that aren't willing to just play church anymore that don't just come to church because that's what we're supposed to do on Sunday morning but who show up desperate for a move of God. Where are those folks? Where is our desperation? Where is our desire? See, the the, the deliverance dilemma is this, and you've got to catch this, is that most likely we will be delivered to the degree that we are desperate. I'm going to say that one more time. I've been sitting on that for months. For most of us, what we will discover is that we will only be delivered to the degree of our desperation. That's why some of you are still only halfway free. That's why some of y'all been coming here for years, but you're still only halfway whole. That's why some of you coming in here and hear me preach about racism and prejudice year after year, but you still hate certain people. Because we have only been desperate for deliverance to a degree. God, help us if we become soulmates with sickness. 
God, help us if we become satisfied with sadness. God, help us if we become bedfellows with bitterness. God, help us if we become best friends with brokenness. God, help us if we become more committed to to our comfort than we are to deliverance. I got a question for you this morning. It's the question I've been asking myself over the last couple of weeks. Is there any desperation evident in my life? My bills are paid. Right now, my kids are acting pretty good. That could change, but right now. My car starts. Nobody's beating down my door, breaking into my house, trying to steal stuff. Nobody's being racist against me. So I have this decision to make. I can become comfortable in that. Or I can recognize that we are at the place, not just in the history of our nation, not just the history of our state, not just the history of our city, but in the history of my household, we are at the place where I have to come to this conclusion. I need the deliverance of God again. The second deliverance dilemma is this, is that we mistake despair or disappointment for desperation. See, some of you feel like you're desperate. You're really just full of despair. You've actually given up. Some of you would actually say you're desperate, but the truth is, is that you're really just sad. Y'all weren't ready for me. Your, your faith is dead. You really don't believe anymore that something can change. You say, some of you would say you're desperate, you're, but you're really just so filled with disappointment that now you're bitter and you're negative. Here it is. And you're the victim. That doesn't have anything to do with skin color, by the way. Some of y'all white as lilies and you're, you play the victim card all the time. Why? Because you say you're desperate, but really you're just, you're just disappointed. We know this is a dilemma because those who have made this mistake, listen to me carefully, I'm, I'm, I've come to this conclusion. We know this is a dilemma because those that make this, this, this mistake and who have confused despair and disappointment for desperation, here it is, they won't do anything. They will make no changes. They take no actions. They, they won't adjust anything. You want me to prove it? Want to be free? Yeah. Then you ought to come and worship. Oh, no, I need to be by myself. Want to be free? Oh, yeah, I want to be free. Then you probably ought to join a small group because you need other people in your life. No, that's okay. I'm too busy. But I'm desperate. No, you're just full of despair and disappointment. You want to be free? Yeah, I want to be free. Then change how you spend your money. Oh, no, I need this. Want to be free? Yeah, I need to be free. Then get up and go walking. No, I think what I'll do is I'll sit here in front of my TV and eat bonbons just like I have every other night for the last four years. And then I go to the doctor and wonder what. I'm disappointed. I've been praying for God to take all the calories out of it and he didn't do it. It's his fault. I'm full of despair. I don't like feeling like I feel, but I won't do anything. Listen, the children of Israel weren't desperate because they couldn't stay where they were. They were desperate because they knew they shouldn't stay where they were. They could have stayed where they were. They had it down. Was it fun? No. Was it enjoyable? No. But they had it down. And some of y'all are living in situations and circumstances in your own family life and in your own household and in your own physical body and in your own spiritual life where it's not fun and it's not enjoyable, but you won't do anything because you're comfortable. They could have stayed there, but they became desperate because they recognized they shouldn't stay there. Why? Because they had a promise. 
It's time to move to this place of desperation again where we don't give up and we don't wallow. And instead what we do is we, 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 be, we, we allow what we're bound in to propel us to cry out again for forgotten and for delayed promises. We're going to talk more about that in the future. But many of us have settled and many of us have a routine. And for many of us, our calendar is comfortable. But... I need you to remember something this morning. If you don't hear anything else, I say, could you please just remember this? It can be different. It can be. It can be different. If we recall the promises, if we become desperate again for what is supposed to be, rather than being so comfortable in the way that it is, if we could stand up and declare again, God, I want all that you have for me, not just part. It's not that what you've done isn't great. It's not that I'm not better than I was. It's not that I'm uh, more content than I was. It's just that I am convinced that although I could stay over here in what you've already done, I am convinced that there is so much more. So although I could stay there I recognize I shouldn't stay here if you've got more for me over there we've got to become desperate again don't get it twisted I could stay where I am I could be satisfied with this but I have this promise See, desperation must overtake despair. Desperation must dislodge disappointment. Desperation must displace despondency so that we do this. We discard the spirit of heaviness. Let me stop right there and just declare to you today, there is a spirit behind the heaviness. It's not just that you woke up on the wrong side of the bed. It's not that you ate too much pizza before you went to sleep last night. It's not because you're watching the news and it's all bad. There is a spirit behind the heaviness and until we become desperate again we will live with the spirit of heaviness and we will forget to apply the garment of praise and it is time to discard the heaviness and get back to praise see I've got I've got to allow desperation to overtake delinquency see I, I for many of us we walk through the doors but we're delinquent what does that mean? It means we don't show up expecting God to do anything. We've got to come back to this place that we're so desperate that I will expect to see him again. Why? Because I am seeking him. God doesn't lie. He said that if we would seek him, we would find him. So if we're not finding him, hello, that means we're not seeking him. Are you desperate at all? Or are you just filled with despair? I'm sad about what I see on TV. Breaks my heart. I'm disappointed. I wish we could just all get along. I wish they'd go back to normal. I'm really disappointed. This has really disrupted my calendar. I don't like this. Or are you filled with desperation so that you will actually take action and do something? Last and not least, Desperation is born in hope. I want you to hear me this morning and hear me clearly as the worship team moves because we're going to spend some time crying out to God this morning. Desperation is born in hope. You cannot be desperate if you have no promise. Did you hear what I just said? You cannot be desperate if you have no promise. Hope is what calls us to fight for freedom. It is the promise that there is more that that causes us and forces us to fight. Listen, if you don't have a promise, you'll just lay down and die. But if you have hope, you'll fight. I'm hoping, I'm hoping. The reason I came back early is because I'm hoping that maybe in this room, titled Passion Church, that maybe, just maybe, we could rally some folks full of hope. Beat down, hurt, brokenhearted, disappointed, full of despair, but also full of hope. Willing to fight. Oh, I'm almost, I'm about, y'all about maybe go 1980s, go fight for the right, but that's a different song. But fight for the right to cry out to God for everything that he's promised us. 
I want you to notice something. I want you to notice that when we are moved to desperation, here it is, God is moved to action. So maybe we're sitting around waiting on God, God's sitting around waiting on us. It was when the people cry out desperation. Listen to what happens. Listen to what happens when people cry out desperation. Listen to what happens when people cry out desperation. God remembers the covenant, the promise, the guarantee that he had made. That from generation to generation, to my family and to my children, but not to just my children, to my children's children. But wait just one more moment. Not just to my children's children, but to my children's children's children. He remembers I've made a covenant with them. I've made them a promise. And out of a spirit of desperation, he is reminded of the own covenant, his his own words. And he takes action. See, I think it's time to remember the promises so that hope will rise up in us again. Say, well, what promises? Well, like this, that he's promised that we can have life and life more abundantly. The promise that he made to me that we could be healed and whole. The promise that he's made to me of joy unspeakable and full of glory. The promise that he made to us that our children who we trained up when they grow old cannot depart from what we've taught them. They will come back. If they're not here now, they will come back. The the promises that he's made me that, that I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed coming out. That I'm blessed in the fields and I'm blessed in my home. I have promises in my life. I've got a promise. You've got a promise over your life that every voice that rises up against you in accusation will be silenced that's the promise that you have the promise that he has made that the dry bones of my dreams could be revived and live again do you have any hope today see I see people who are angry and I see people who are frustrated But I just don't see very many people that are filled with hope. So that it drives them to cry out in desperation to God. I see fed up people. I see ticked off people. I just don't see very many people out there who are filled with hope. Who are crying out in desperation to God. We know they're not filled with this kind of hope that I'm talking about because what they're asking is they're asking for government to fix it. I got news for you. I don't know what rock you've been hiding under, but come on out and recognize the government ain't fixing this. They don't have the authority to fix this. This is a spiritual issue. I I know they don't have this kind of hope because they keep waiting on politicians to fix this. Newsflash. Are you talking about the Republicans or the Democrats or the Libertarians? Yes. All of them. They can't fix this. The honest ones and the dishonest ones cannot fix this. I know they're they're not filled with this kind of hope because they're waiting on doctors to fix. But only he can fix. We aren't, listen, listen to this statement, I'm going to get out of your way. We are not desperate until we return to the place that our hope is in the one who can fix this. Don't tell me you're desperate. Trump's going to fix it. Then you're not desperate. Well, Biden's going to fix it. You're not desperate. Oklahoma's going to fix it. You're not desperate. We are only desperate when we come back to this place where we go, you know what? I've come to the conclusion. There's only one that can fix this dilemma we're in. There's only one that can deal with this. There's only one that can set us free. There's only one that can break the chains of sin. There's only one that can heal us. There's only one that can cause our heads to rise up and remember the hope that we have. There's a, when, we become on, when we become fixed on the one again, the reason we're not being delivered is because we're expecting everybody else to deliver us but the one that actually can. This is where it gets rough. God knows when we're desperate. How do I know that? Because I just read the account to you. They were desperate and it said God knew 
God saw them and God took action. So God knows. He's waiting on a group of people that out of our desperation, it will give birth to his compassion. We face this dilemma today. Will we be desperate enough to be delivered? Because we will be delivered to the degree of our desperation. So what we're going to do this morning, man, y'all are lucky we're doing this social distance thing. I'd have y'all down here in this altar so fast. It's make your head spin, but, but I'm going to be nice. Y'all scared. get it but what I've been praying all week long that a spirit of desperation would rise up in me that maybe it would bleed off on some of you and that maybe some of you would be so desperate that it would bleed off on me and maybe you would be so desperate that it would bleed off on the people next to you and that corporately together we come back to this place while everybody else is out screaming for everybody else to fix this we're in here screaming God fix this God, you promised. You made covenant with us. You made guarantees to us. You've given us hope. We rely on you. We will take the action that we need to take, but only because we know that when we take the actions we need to take, you will take the actions that you're supposed to take. I just ask you this morning, could we allow the cry of desperation to rise out of this house that will bleed over into our houses? And into our neighborhoods. So I want you to do this instead of standing this morning. I want you, if you're physically able, and if you're not, I get it, don't. But if you're physically able, I want to challenge you this morning to turn and make your chair an altar. And as the worship team begins to sing, would you just begin to cry out? Would you let God burn off the apathy and the, the, the lack of care and the lack of desire and get rid of despair and get rid of disillusionment, disappointment, and allow him instead to birth desperation in you again where you say, God, i got to have you. You've got to do this. I'm desperate. I don't want us to. I could stay here, but I know I shouldn't stay here. Is there anybody that would allow him to do that? Would you make an altar this morning? Come on, worship team. Would you lead us into the presence of God as we cry out to him this morning not enough unless you
this morning is that you would do this. I pray that a spirit of desperation would fill our hearts. And I pray that we would become so full of desperation that it would spill out of this building into our homes. And I pray that what we would do is we would become so desperate. And when people come to us and see the desperation of our life, we would also be able to say to them that we have a hope. And our hope is this. You've never forsaken us. You've never come up short. You've never left us. You've never turned your back on us. You've never changed your mind about us. You've never let us go so far that you couldn't get us back. So right now, although we're desperate for change, and although we're desperate for a move of your Holy Spirit, and although we're desperate for you to complete what you've started, and although we're no longer satisfied where we could stay, we want to get where we should be. At the same time, our life is full of hope. Let us become a people of hope so that people will turn to us to find the hope that you've placed in us and together out of a spirit of desperation we ask you to see us God we don't put our trust in anybody but you right now you're the only one that can fix this you're the only one that can turn this around you're the only one with a solution you're the only one with remedy I, I pray that as we fix our mind upon you that you would see us and that you would know and that now you would take action. Father, I pray a dangerous prayer right now over this congregation, over my life, over every life represented here. I pray this this morning. Would you please deliver us to the degree of our desperation? And I recognize that's a dangerous prayer because that means some of us are not going to be completely free. But I pray that you would begin to reveal just how desperate we are by just how delivered we are. And I pray that it would move us to this place where we hold on for everything that you have for us. We are desperate. We are desperate. Come on, would you say that with me on the count of three? One, two, three. We are desperate. actually hear the desperation in your voice one two three we are desperate i want him to know can you say it one more time one two three we are desperate hear us god hear the cry let the the groanings let the outcry that's coming out of our spirit come before your throne
in Jesus' name. And we're following the leading of the Holy Spirit here. This is Dr. Doug Beecham. We're not big on titles around here, but you need to know because honor belongs to whom honor is due. We're supposed to give that according to Scripture. Dr. Beecham is the presiding bishop for our entire denomination. I don't even know how many we've got anymore. 800,000 worldwide. Is that right? Or is that two? 1.8 million. I was only a million off, give or take a million. Uh, that's who Dr. Beecham is. But he's following the leading of the Holy Spirit. He's going to remind, some of y'all don't even know we did this. Um, years and years ago, he will remind you of what we did as an entire movement years ago, but he's got a point, and I want you to hear his point. Andrew, we're going to ask you to be involved in this, okay? Dr. Beecham, would you come and share your heart this morning? The movement you're a part of was organized in 1898, and much of the organization came out of the Deep South but as well as here in the Midwest. We were birthed in 1898, and we were birthed in, uh, to a large extent, the era known as Jim Crow. And it had an impact. In 1996, the leadership of the Pentecostalist Church and some of us were there, asked us to gather in Fayetteville, North Carolina, we spent 24 hours repenting of seven specific sins. One of those sins was racism. We still live with that historic legacy that the pastor so powerfully described today. What I've discovered is that there's so many new to our movement and so many in the new generation don't know that that happened in 1996. Don't know that even a year ago, our major core value was we prayerfully value justice. And much of our emphasis last year was related to racism. We are dealing with issues fresh on our doorstep again. And I have asked the pastor, and I'd like to ask Andrew, as a uh, a representative of one generation, a representative of uh, a group of people who in this country have, have had great opportunity and blessing that sometimes others have not had. You represent a younger generation. You represent people of color who have struggled at times in this country. I'd like to ask you I would pray for all of us I'd like to say again we repent of the ways that even in our own movement we continue to battle our own prejudices sometimes a desperation for the wrong things rather than the things of God so I say that to you again we repent again but it's got to be more than that and we all know it so I'd like to ask you if you'd be willing to lay hands upon me and pray Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you for the charge that you've put on your church to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and that power that breaks down boundaries. And Lord, I pray 
that we will begin to have a fresh a fresh outpouring and a fresh infilling of that spirit to where we can live alive the way that Jesus taught us stepping across social boundaries and saying we are all his children and we are all called both Jew and Gentile when he spoke to the Samaritan woman when he gave the story of the Samaritan man left for dead he was fighting the same fight that we seem to be fighting today fighting against social and racial injustice and I thank you for, 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 the, for the day that you sent your spirit that it crossed all boundaries and it brought in new faces and new families and, and new fathers and new children new daughters, new men and women of God into, the king, into your kingdom no matter where they came from no matter what language they spake, spoke no matter if, if, they were, if they were citizens or not, no matter what they were if they had green cards, if they didn't have a green card, if they, if they were black, if they were white, if they, if they were Native American, it doesn't matter they all came and they all accepted Jesus Christ, they all saw his glory and God I thank you right now that that same spirit is, is building up in my brother in our bishop in our denomination but not just our denomination this has to be a unity for the whole body of Christ there's no there needs to be no more disunity between assemblies of God between between the Baptists but we believe in the Jesus Christ that he came and he died and that same spirit is alive it has to begin with your body it has to begin with the church and God we call forth that unity right now and this is just one step and God, I pray that this is not just symbolism, but this is my heart. I stand with my brother. I stand with my community. I stand with my, my church. I stand with the body of Christ. Body that is made up of many members. Many points of views. Many experiences. Through each of those experiences, God, I just thank you for your testimony. That we can see your hand. That we don't turn a blind eye just because it's a different experience than mine. God, we thank you that this is the day, this is the day that, that we begin to move. That I thank you that you're moving on the hearts of, of not just where we could give lip service and say, yes, we want unity. Yes, we want to be together. But God, I just pray that it creates a discomfort on the inside of us that moves us to change. For too long, we've been sitting still because it's comfortable. But God, I just pray that you begin to just give us aches and pains in our bones. Give us aches and pains in our spiritual bodies where we just can no longer sit still. We have to get up and we have to move. God, we call it forth right now in Jesus' name. I pray your anointing over, over Doug, over Bishop Doug. I just pray that you just give him the words to speak to those that he is in daily life with, to those that he is pouring into on a regular basis. Give him words. Give him the anointing to where he can lead through whatever is about to happen because we know, God, you're stirring. You are shaking. And God, I thank you that the body of Christ will be the rock. The rock that you called it to be in Jesus' name. Amen.